We have a huge show today. I have a huge show for you today. We are going to talk about, a lot of people have asked me about this, by the way. I've gotten uh, innumerable DMs on Instagram, on Twitter, emails, people asking me constantly, if they're in the military, is there any way to avoid the DOD COVID vaccine mandate? And I'm going to answer that question today. Don't, don't get too excited. It's not a silver bullet, but it is something, something. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, but first, we were right about Fauci's lies. I'm Liz Wheeler, welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. Okay, Fauci's lies, they're big and they're real, just like we always said. Um, first though, I need to talk to you about trust and will. Now we all know, let's be honest, we all know that we need one, but most of us do put off creating a trust or a will because it sounds complex and it's expensive. Well, at trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple, it's convenient, and it's secure. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children. You can determine who gets your stuff, you can plan for future medical care, all from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to hire that traditional estate attorney. You don't have to pay thousands of dollars. You don't have to use that one-size-fits-all template that is not specialized enough for you. No, no. Trust and will documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state you live in. And with live customer support seven days a week, trustandwill.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your plan. Trust and Will is the most trusted name in online estate planning. The category leader on Trustpilot, they have helped thousands of people protect their families, their assets, and their legacies. So gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash Liz and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Go right now. This is really important. Get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com if you use my name, trustandwill.com slash Liz. Trustandwill.com slash Liz. It's the responsible thing to do. You'll be glad you did it. Okay. Bombshell new information. Um, from The Intercept. The Intercept actually submitted a FOIA request a year ago in September of 2020 to the U.S. government related to documents surrounding one Mr. Dr. Anthony Fauci and the NIH and the funding from the NIH to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Well, these new documents were finally given from the U.S. government to The Intercept, who published them, and I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised. I think you and I both knew this because the inferences were always there. We always knew that one plus one equal two and two plus two equal four. Sometimes there was a blacked out variable and we were still able to use uh, deductive reasoning to figure out the truth. Well, Senator Rand Paul might have said it best when he tweeted. You can see this on the screen for those of you who are watching. For those who are listening, Rand Paul tweeted, surprise, surprise. Fauci lied again, and I was right about his agency funding novel coronavirus research at Wuhan. Read this thread in the papers released. So here's what these papers um, from the government said. By the way, again, this was from The Intercept. They submitted a Freedom of Information Act request. They got 900 pages of information. And then this write-up was by Sharon Lerner and Mara, forgive me, Mara, if I'm mispronouncing your last name, Vissendal, Mara Vissendal at The Intercept. So essentially, what these documents show is that the U.S. government gave over $3 million, $3.1 million to be exact, to EcoHealth Alliance. You remember EcoHealth Alliance. EcoHealth Alliance was this middleman between the NIH and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So the NIH gave grants of $3.1 million to EcoHealth Alliance. That's Peter Daszak. You remember him, the guy who blocked me on Twitter for calling out the fact that he then subcontracted our tax money from the NIH 
all the way to the bat lady at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So these new documents prove that $3.1 million went through EcoHealth Alliance to research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology specifically for bat coronavirus research. Now, $600,000 of this total $3 million, $600,000 was used by the Wuhan Institute of Virology not only to study coronaviruses um, that are derived from bats, but to find and alter, keyword there, alter bat coronaviruses that could jump to humans and infect them. Remember, that is literally the definition of gain of function, is if you take a naturally occurring coronavirus from bats, say, and you sort of harness that, you genetically alter it so that it not only could jump naturally to humans, but that so it will and be the most infectious possible. So $600,000 of this $3 million that was given to the NIH, or given from the NIH, to EcoHealth Alliance, Peter Daszak, and then to the bat lady at the Wuhan Institute of Virology was for this exact kind of research, to alter bat coronaviruses that could jump to humans and infect them. More so, so more, more proof here. It's not just the research that happened on the coronaviruses themselves. They tested, these folks in China at the Wuhan Institute of Virology tested their genetically altered viruses on genetically engineered mice. Now, these genetically engineered mice are the, the mice that are called humanized mice because they are essentially a hybrid of human cells with mice cells. It's how these researchers, these crazy scientists with their twisted experiments, um, are able to tell whether the viruses that they have genetically mutated are able to be transmitted to humans and infect humans. They infect, they deliberately infect these quote-unquote humanized mice. So they did this in Wuhan, but instead of at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, this is the technicality, by the way, that just will just kill you. This is how you know that our government officials are lying because one tiny, tiny little inaccuracy, one tiny incorrect or slightly inaccurate inference, and they deny the whole thing. So the humanized mice being infected with these coronaviruses that have been genetically modified, it didn't happen at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is what we previously thought. No, no. It happened at the Wuhan University Center for Animal Experiments. Who cares if the name of the lab is different, or even if the geographical location of the lab is slightly different than the Wuhan Institute of Virology? The principle of the thing is the same. The principle of the thing is the same exact train. Fauci at NIH, his specific sub-agency at NIH, the NIAID, gave money to EcoHealth Alliance, who gave it to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, who used that to alter the coronaviruses, and then they tested it on humanized mice at the Wuhan University Center for Animal Experiments. That's what we know from these papers. That's what we know. And remember, oh, we'll get to what Fauci said in a second, but let's be very specific here. According to The Intercept, this is what they wrote. One of the grants, titled Understanding the Risk of Bat Coronavirus Emergence, outlines an ambitious effort led by EcoHealth Alliance President Peter Daszak to screen thousands of bat samples for novel coronaviruses. The research also involved screening people who work with live animals. Now, wait a second. Why would they do that? Why would they screen people who work with live animals? Ask yourself that question. The reason that they would screen people who work with live animals is because obviously they acknowledged the risk of some of the viruses they were messing with, some of the virus they were experimenting with, that they were weaponizing and harnessing, could be involved in some kind of accident and could infect the people who were working with them. So what does that tell you? 
That tells you that tells you that inherent to this research was this acknowledgement from these researchers, from Peter Daszak at EcoHealth Alliance, that this was risky and dangerous research because it could result in a lab accident. So Peter Daszak, remember, he's the same one who told us over and over that a lab accident simply there's simply no way a lab accident was the was the origin of COVID nineteen. It couldn't happen. Yet in his grant, in his research, it involved screening people who worked with the live animals, which means they understood the inherent risk of this, that their, that their research, the viruses that they were playing around with, could in fact infect humans. So The Intercept goes, the documents contain several critical details about the research in Wuhan, including the fact that key experimental work with humanized mice was conducted at a biosafety level three lab at Wuhan University Center for Animal Experiment and not at the Wuhan Institute of Virology as was previously assumed. So again, Fauci lied because this is gain-of-function experiment. It absolutely is. And this is not me just sitting here. Now, I feel qualified to say that Fauci lied because I'm a thinking individual. I have critical thinking skills. I can read the writing on the wall and I can read these grants. I can read the definition of -of gain-of-function. I can read exactly what the bat lady wrote that she was doing with these viruses. But it's not just me who thinks this. A professor, a science professor, he's a biology, biochemistry, and chemistry professor at Rutgers University. His name's Richard Ebright. He says, and I quote, the documents make it clear that assertions by the NIH director, Francis Collins, and the NIAID director, Anthony Fauci, that the NIH did not support gain-of-function research or potential pandemic pathogen enhancement at the Wuhan Institute of Virology are untruthful, end quote. Well, untruthful is perhaps a softer word than I would use for the biggest liar that our country has ever known. This is what Anthony Fauci said. Remember, he said, quote, I have never lied before the Congress and I do not retract that statement. This, by the way, is during his back and forth with Rand Paul. He said that the experiments, the grants that were, the money that was given as grant form for the experiments conducted by Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, were not gain of function, he said, because this was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function. When Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, challenged him while Fauci was under oath, Fauci blew up. You remember this. We we showed this video. We talked about this video. We kind of laughed about this video because Fauci just blew up like a smokestack. He goes, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly, and I want to say that officially. Okay, bro. Like, what? You didn't want to say it unofficially? He lost his temper because he knows he's wrong. Fauci has not only engaged in horrible, dangerous, risky experimentation with your tax money, which is corrupt behavior, he has tried to stage the biggest cover-up that I can remember, certainly in my political lifetime, but in the modern political history of our country. This is gain-of-function research. Professor Ebrice, again, from Rutgers, he says the materials show that the 2014 and 2019 NIH grants to EcoHealth with subcontracts to the Wuhan Institute of Virology funded gain-of-function research as defined in federal policies in effect in 2014 to 2017 and potential pandemic pathogen enhancement as defined in federal policies in effect from 2017 to present. There you go. Even according to the government's own definition of -of gain-of-function, what happened at the Wuhan Institute of Virology from funding from EcoHealth Alliance, from the NIH, from Fauci, was gain-of-function experimentation. The professor goes on, and this is really nitty-gritty science stuff, but essentially, he says, the materials confirm that the grant supported the construction in Wuhan of novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses that combined a spike gene from one coronavirus with genetic information from another coronavirus 
and confirmed the resulting viruses could infect human cells. Okay, so what do we see now in COVID-19 then? This exact thing. We see this exact thing. If this is not, like I said at the beginning, this is, we knew that this was the case. We did. So does this surprise me? No, it doesn't surprise me. Does it shock me? Yeah, it shocks me. It's always going to shock me when we find out that the government lied to us, when we find out that our tax money was abused, abused to fund a science lab in China, one of our biggest adversaries, used to fund research that can only be described as experimentations with biological warfare. Because I simply don't buy this line that you get from the public health conglomerate that um, this gain-of-function experimentation is to prevent future pandemics. No. It's not. This is biological weapons research, and we were collaborating. We were giving our tax money to China. China, who wants to be the world's superpower. They want to displace us as the world's superpower. And we're giving them this weapon that clearly has taken out the United States. I'm not saying it was deliberately released. I don't know at this point. It's pretty obvious that it was leaked from a lab accident. And look at how the United States essentially collapsed under COVID-19. All this did, the United States' response... All this has done is tell our enemies that if you do have any kind of biological weapons uh, capacity or ability to unleash this, oh, that's a good way to get the United States to fall because look at how we've reacted. Again, this is not only the biggest scandal in U.S. history that our tax money has funded this, it is the biggest cover-up in U.S. history at the hands of Fauci. And think about Dr. Fauci for a second. Think about his power. Think about his influence. Think about his dictates. And when I say dictates, I know that he's not a governor. I know he's not, um, he's not a local public health official that has actual authority under the law to dictate things. But anytime Fauci makes a statement, makes a dictate verbally, that becomes the policy of our country based on his unscientific fear-mongering. And yes, now we know an effort to cover up his own trail. Here's my question. How can we trust anything that Fauci says, given that he has now been proved to lie to the Senate? How can we trust anything the public health official conglomerate says when we know that they have gone along without questioning Fauci? How can we trust anything the government says to us about COVID-19 when it's been spearheaded by a man who used money taken out of your paycheck every week to fund research into a virus that has taken down our country? I do not engage in hyperbole often. I do not get as outraged as I feel right now much. Maybe I'm desensitized to what goes on in politics, but this to me is just unthinkable that we, the American people, would let this go. That we, the American people, would say, well, let's just put on our masks and keep walking down the street. No. The fact that we have ceded as citizens of the United States this much power to our federal government and agencies of the federal government who are run by unelected bureaucrats like Anthony Fauci, who has given my money that I work hard to earn to Peter Daszak at EcoHealth Alliance, who gave it to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, who used it to manipulate bat coronaviruses, to weaponize them, tested it on humanized mice, and then lied about it. This is the biggest scandal of my lifetime, and I stand by that. 
All right, we're going to talk in just a second about uh, what you can do if you're a member of the U.S. military and you're facing the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. But first, I want to talk about Moink Box. So my husband and I got our first Moink Box this weekend. And <laughs> when he opened the box, he screamed like a little girl. He squealed like a little girl. He was so delighted with everything in there. And he kept, he kept saying, look at this, Liz. Look at this. It's a snake. Look at this. It's pork tenderloin. On and on, there was tons of things in there. Sausage, hamburger, salmon, all kinds of stuff. I actually cooked him the salmon. This is his report after I um, cooked it. He said, it was delicious, but you dried it out a little. <laughs> Which of course is not a commentary on, on the actual salmon itself. That's commentary on my cooking, so I don't know. Um, but he liked it, so I invite you, please join the Moink movement today. As you know, Moink is a monthly box of meat that will be delivered to your door. You get to pick the type of meat that's in it, and you can change it on a monthly basis. So go to moinkbox.com Liz right now. Listeners to this show, get free bacon for a year. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste. But for a limited time, it's spelled M-O-I-N-K-box.com slash Liz. That's moinkbox.com slash Liz. Join me and my husband. Uh, it's a great product. We're having fun with it so far. Moinkbox.com slash Liz. Okay. So as I said at the beginning of the show, I get a lot of um, direct messages on Instagram, a lot of direct messages on Twitter, a lot of even public questions, a lot of emails uh, from U.S. military members, active duty military members, asking what can we do facing this mandate, this vaccine mandate, the COVID-19 vaccine mandate from the Department of Defense. Um, because here shortly, within about a month, everyone in the United States military active duty is mandated to get the COVID-19 vaccine. And it's not like a public, or it's not like a private sector employer, where if you're in the private sector and you truly don't want to um, get the COVID-19 vaccine, you can choose to leave that job. You can apply for an exemption. That's not quite the same in the military. You don't even usually have the option of stepping away from your job. You could actually face, and I know that this is the extreme of the situation, but you could face a court-martial if you refuse this order. And so military members who don't want to get this are rightfully agitated about what they're supposed to do. So let me preface this by saying, what I am about to say is not earth shattering. There is no silver bullet. There's no magic answer. There's nothing that I can say that you can turn around um, and do just in the snap of a fingers to avoid this. But there is something that I found that I wanted to share with you. Unfortunately, we were forced to black out this portion of the show to self-censor uh, due to YouTube's terms of service. We don't want to strike against our channel. We don't want this video to be taken down. We don't want to be banned completely based on what we're talking about. Uh, if you want to hear the full content of what we're talking about, you can do so in two ways. You can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to the audio. Or if you want to see the full uncensored video, you can go to lizwheelershow.com slash locals, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Um, we will be right back here on YouTube with the rest of the show in just a moment. Um, what I want to show you next is how France is reacting, because in France, they're facing essentially what the military is facing here, this blanket mandate, blanket vaccine mandate. Essentially, if you're unvaccinated in France, you don't have access to go anywhere, and you will not believe what police did to an unvaccinated woman in France. That we are going to talk about in a second. But first, let me talk to you about email sign-up really quick. So I don't want big tech to rule or to ruin your relationship and mine, and you shouldn't either. Every day, conservatives, as we all know, are being kicked off social media platforms, off podcast platforms, and we never know when that could happen to us. If you want to make sure that you never lose access to The Liz Wheeler Show and all of the content that I'm delivering to you, please join my email list. It's very important to me that we can stay in touch if that ever does happen to us, because, make no mistake, 
doesn't matter what big tech says, I am here to stay. I will never stop talking. So please go to lizwheelershow.com. Drop me your email so that I can still reach out to you if or when big tech pulls the plug. That's lizwheelershow.com and drop me your email. Okay, let's pivot to France and... I don't know, far be it from me. I never thought that I would be saying this publicly, but why are we not doing what the French are doing? Why are the French being bolder and better leaders, um, more active citizens than the American people are? Again, pains me to say a sentence like that. Um, The French are protesting vaccine passports in in Paris. Take a look at what um, happened, what police did to a woman, she entered a store without a vaccine passport, and you would literally think that she had actually committed a terror act, actually committed murder. Um, take a look at this. Can you even believe that? I mean, they tackled her as if she had committed a violent crime. They treated her like she wasn't a piece of humanity. This is what happens when vaccine mandates and vaccine passports become a thing. So again, the French people are not standing for this. They're not just talking about it on Twitter. They actually stormed a store that was obviously not allowing anybody but vaccinated customers because the government is forcing them to issue these vaccine passports. And they just overran this store chanting liberty. Take a listen. Just to interrupt that for a second, my favorite part of this video is that police were called to the scene when all these unvaccinated people overran this store, but there were so many people, so many people that they peacefully, that they peacefully forced the police to retreat. Take a look at this. those people. Look at them pushing back against their government. This is what we should be doing. The scary part of this, and it's, I think it's easy, by the way, to distance ourselves from what's happening in Europe because simply because of the geographical distance and because the mainstream media has a complete blackout on all of these protests that are happening in France. But there are people here in the United States who want this same sort of Orwellian society to be imposed on the American people as well. One of them is Jennifer Rubin. That's going to surprise no one. Jennifer Rubin recently tweeted, Time to come down on unvaccinated. Okay, well, I don't understand why people tweet in that style that's so irritating, such an elementary school thing. It's like she should put a whole string of emojis after it too, putting a period after each word in her sentence. Whatever, that's a stylistic issue. I guess that has no bearing on what she's saying. But what she's saying is equally as stupid. It's equally as stupid. She literally wants to punish people who are unvaccinated. 
Again, this is such a contradiction to me because people who are so pro-vaccine that they want vaccine mandates claim that the vaccine will stop the pandemic. Yet they're vaccinated themselves and they're still worried about contracting the virus because of the unvaccinated. It is a contradiction. You cannot have it both ways. Either you think the vaccine works and therefore if you're vaccinated, you don't care what anyone else is or you don't think the vaccine works, in which case it doesn't warrant a mandate, even if mandates were ethical, which they are not. However, Jennifer Rubin, logic is not her strong suit, clearly. Uh, she wants the government, the US government, to come down on unvaccinated. And so my question would be, how? How do you want the government to come down on unvaccinated? Do you want the US government to act how the Australian government is acting? Because the Australian government has recently debuted a new facial recognition app to enforce quarantine. So you're, you're your choice in Australia is as follows. If you want to travel, and I don't mean travel outside the country, I'm talking about traveling domestically in your own country. If you want to travel state to state in the country of Australia, you are either forced with a hotel quarantine, hotel under police guard. That's right. A police will guard you at a hotel while you quarantine for two weeks if you travel domestically in Australia, or you're given the option, the freedom to quarantine in your own home if you download an app which geolocates you and ensures that you have not violated social distancing or quarantine. Literally what it does is this app will randomly check up with you and you have 15 minutes to respond where you are to prove that you are not violating your quarantine. And if you cannot, with a GPS, prove that you have not violated your quarantine and facial recognition, so it's gonna beam your phone to see where your phone is and then to make sure that you are the one in control of your phone and that you haven't left your phone with someone else in your quarantine zone, you have to use facial recognition on this app if you do not respond to this adequately within 15 minutes, guess what happens? They notify the police. And the police come to your house. Can you believe that this is real life? Can you believe that this Orwellian app is a real thing? Can you believe that this story is actually happening to people in this day and age? And the government of the government of Australia is actually claiming, and I can barely say this with a straight face, they're claiming that this isn't really an Orwellian app because you don't have to download it. You can, you can choose to just quarantine in a hotel with a police guard if you want, if you think the app is too invasive. That's his argument about why this isn't Orwellian. So that's my question to Jennifer Rubin. Is this what you mean by coming down, time to come down on the unvaccinated? You want this kind of draconian government control? Here's the thing. A vaccine passport, and a vaccine passport is begot of a vaccine mandate, of course. A vaccine passport is a social credit score. So when we're talking about a social credit score, let me be very clear about what I'm talking about here. If you go to China, the People's Republic of China, there is a system, a social credit score system, that tracks the behavior and the verb, the verbiage, the rhetoric, the language, the words, the speech of every citizen in their country, and it assigns you a score based on your behavior, your speech, and your family's behavior and speech, which by the way, you're not in control of. So in China, based on your behavior and speech and your family's behavior and speech, you're assigned a score. Now the score is derived of what the communist party wants from you, how the communist party in China wants you to behave as a good little communist minion. So if you do anything that violates this communist, this list of good communist behavior, then you get downgraded on your social credit score. And if you get downgraded on your social credit score, then you're punished. You're punished with things like, you're not allowed to buy a plane ticket. You're not allowed to buy land. You're not allowed to send your child to school. You're not allowed to find a job. You are literally squeezed and suffocated 
from society if you do not have a good social credit score, according to the Chinese government, their standards being all kinds of all kinds of communist behaviors that they want. So this social credit score is enforced by this Orwellian umbrella of cameras watching the people of China, watching, government watching, a literal camera. And the Chinese people are crippled by this. This has stifled dissent. This has stifled behavior. This mandates conformity because one tiny slip up and you're done. Your family's done. And no one wants that to happen. So when I say that a vaccine passport here in the United States is a social credit score, that's exactly what it is. Because a vaccine passport is a measure of your behavior based on standards set by our government this time, and that if you don't comply with a standard set by our government, you are denied access to society. You're not allowed to go to bars. You're not allowed to go to restaurants. You're not allowed to go to gyms. You're not allowed to go to entertainment venues. You're not allowed to take part in a polite society. You might even lose your job if you don't comply. How will you support your family? How will you make ends meet? How will you live your life? It's a social credit score. And people like Jennifer Rubin who wanna come down on the unvaccinated, that is what she's advocating for. Because there's no other way. In a free society, you offer a vaccine. You allow innovation to dictate whether a vaccine is safe and effective. You offer it and then you allow people the freedom to make that choice for themselves. You don't copy a communist country. By the way, the White House is already prepping for the next time around, not just COVID-19, but whatever comes next. They say the White House says that they're not adequately prepared to handle another pandemic. And uh, in response to this, what do they want to do? Oh, shocker. They want to spend money and increase the reach, the size and the scope of government. Well, that doesn't, I don't know who that's going to surprise, but this is what they say. They want to make investments, which is what Democrats always say when they want to spend your money. Investments. And uh, they want to make investments in critical scientific goal areas like vaccines, therapeutics, diagnostics, and early warning, as well as other investments in strengthening disease surveillance, health systems, surge capacity, personal protective equipment, innovation, biosafety, biosecurity, regulatory capacity. Ooh, regulatory capacity. I don't like the sound of that one. And global pandemic preparedness. What the hell does that mean? They want to increase the size and scope of government, and they've they've gone pretty pretty darn far in COVID-19. But they want to go even further for the next time that this happens, which is exactly what I said would happen. I said, this will happen again. They know that this is a good tactic, whether it's climate change, whether it's gun violence, whether it's racism, whether it's another pandemic. The Democrats now know that the American people are going to allow them to infringe upon our rights and our freedoms, our, in, our inherent constitutionally protected rights, all in the name of public health emergency. And now the White House is admitting that they want to take it even further. Again, we have to ask people who want to come down on the unvaccinated. We have to ask government officials who want to do more, what is it exactly that you want to do? Because when you ask them for their solutions, their solutions are horrifying. The Washington Post, uh, the deputy editorial page editor at the Washington Post, her name is Ruth Marcus, she recently wrote a piece um, arguing that doctors and hospitals should give priority care to vaccinated patients 
excluding unvaccinated patients. This is what she said. I'm going to come right out and say it. In situations where hospitals are overwhelmed and resources such as intensive care beds or ventilators are scarce, vaccinated patients should be given priority over those who have refused vaccination without a legitimate medical or religious reason. End quote. First of all, legitimate. Legitimate in the eyes of Ruth Marcus. We don't want other people deciding what's a legitimate medical or religious reason. That's our decision. That's not the government's decision. She wants you to be denied care if you don't have a vaccine, if you get COVID-19, because you didn't make the decision that she thinks that you should make. She goes on to say, this conflicts radically with accepted medical ethics, I recognize. And under ordinary circumstances, I agree with those rules. The lung cancer patient who's been smoking two packs a day for decades is entitled to the same treatment as the one who never took a puff. The drunk driver who kills a family gets a team doing its utmost to save him, although not perhaps a liver transplant if he needs one. Doctors are healers, not judges. End quote. Well, I'm glad that she identified her inconsistency here because doctors are not judges, they are doctors, and we do not distribute medical care in our country based on whether someone deserves it or not. Based, and when I say deserves it, based on a standard created by leftist government officials. She goes, but the coronavirus pandemic, the development of a highly effective vaccine, and the emergence of a core of vaccine resistors, along with an infectious new variant, have combined to change the ethical calculus. Oh, of course it changes, because she wants it to change. Those who insist on refusing the vaccine, she says, for no reason. Oh, I guess all of us have no reason for declining the vaccine, are not in the same moral position of the smoker with lung cancer or the drunk driver. In situations where resources are scarce and hard choices must be made, they are not entitled to the same no questions asked, no holds barred medical care as others who behave more responsibly, end quote. This is, listen very close here, this is the number one reason why the American people should always unequivocally reject government-run healthcare. Because when you have a system of government-run healthcare, when anybody is in charge of your medical decisions other than you, this is what happens. They decide whether you deserve it, whether you're entitled to the care, if you should be placed behind someone else in line because you've behaved in a way that they don't like. It's called rationing and denial of care. And make no mistake, it's not just about medical choices and lifestyle choices. It will be about political ideology. By the way, for anybody interested here, Ruth Marcus, when she when she continued, I'm not going to read the whole article because it's drivel, but when she justified why denying care to unvaccinated patients is different than the drunk driving or the lung cancer example, this is literally what this is literally what she said I'm summarizing here. Well, it's because it's hard to quit smoking and it's hard to lose weight. That's why they shouldn't be discriminated against, but COVID-19, people that get COVID-19 and aren't vaccinated should be, but don't discriminate against smokers because it's hard to quit smoking. Okay, lady. Okay, there's a solid argument. I actually appreciate people like Ruth Marcus because it makes it very clear exactly what leftists would do if they were in charge of any of our life decisions. Any. Okay, again, again, we always have to ask these questions of what exactly do you want to do? What do you want government to have the power to do? There's another um, Democratic woman, of course. Um, she's a former FEC chairwoman. Her name is Anne Ravel. She thinks that there should be a disinformation czar at the federal level. This is what she writes. With more than 600,000 people lost to COVID in the U.S. and case numbers surging yet again, fighting disinformation is critical to ending the pandemic and decreasing health disparities for generations to come. 
So she calls for, to begin, the Biden-Harris administration should create a coordinated national response and appoint a disinformation expert to the COVID-19 task force as a diverse coalition of public interest groups urged in a letter last year. And so what does that mean exactly? Because it's very vague. What it means is that you or I would have to clear any tweet, this is their example, any tweet would have to be cleared before we sent it if we have over 50,000 followers on Twitter. Cleared meaning we'd have to be approved to speak. We could only say things that the federal government, this COVID disinformations are, allowed us to say. We'd be subjected to a pre-clearance policy, quote, in which the content can be fact-checked before it's posted online. Can you believe this stuff? This is, this is what they mean when they say it's time to come down on the unvaccinated. This is what they mean. They want to take away your rights and your liberty and your freedom and give it instead to liberals in government. It's absolutely horrifying, and the American citizenry should wholeheartedly reject it. Okay, Caitlyn Jenner, running for governor in the state of California, far, far behind um, Larry Elder, which is appropriate, um, going viral because Caitlyn Jenner supports abortion and the Texas heartbeats law. Interesting seeming contradiction. Take a listen to this. I am for a women's right to choose. I am also for a state uh, having the ability to make their own laws. Um, And so I support Texas in that decision. That's their decision. Um, I'm okay with that. But as far as being a woman's right to choose, I don't see any changes in our laws in California in the future. But you're fine with the Texas law, even though you say that you support abortion rights, you are fine with a law that essentially outlaws abortion. I think they have the right in their state to do what they want to do. Now, do I agree with the decision or not? No, to be honest with you, I actually probably do not agree with the decision, but I agree with they have the right to make their own decision. So Caitlyn Jenner is obviously getting a lot of heat for this position, but here's what I would say. First of all, Caitlyn Jenner is never going to be the governor of California, and Caitlyn Jenner should never be the governor of California. I would not vote for Caitlyn Jenner, but this is actually what would happen if Roe v. Wade were overturned. So we hear a lot of disinformation, misinformation, about what's happening in Texas with this heartbeat law, but this is actually an example. Caitlyn Jenner's position is an example of what would happen if Roe v. Wade were overturned. It would go back to the states, and each state would decide their rules. So very liberal states would probably have very permissive laws on abortion. Conservative states would have more restrictive laws on abortion. That's what should happen unless there is some kind of constitutional amendment or Supreme Court ruling that... um, wholeheartedly nationwide declares that abortion violates the Constitution, the inherent right to life and liberty, which, by the way, I do think there's an argument to be made, but uh, the great and powerful Jay Hay is is telling me that we're out of time for today. So that we will have to save for another day. But Caitlyn Jenner, a little controversial, but not incorrect about what would happen if Roe v. Wade were overturned. All right. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Leave us a five-star rating. Write us a review. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, think for yourself. Use critical thought. Question authority. Follow the facts and don't let government or corporate wokeism or cultural Marxism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. 
Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant Editor, Michael Wall. Sound Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-Production Manager, Victoria Metzel. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.